0: via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Go to spyscape.com slash spyscape plus for details
1: incoming transmission. Welcome welcome welcome,
0: welcome. welcome to true spies. Week by week, mission by mission, you'll hear the true stories behind the world's greatest espionage operations. You'll meet the people who navigate this secret world. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position?
1: This is True Spies. I take great pride in knowing my little operation and the kid who had no training and was making this up as he went along really impacted Russia's ability to collect intelligence and run operations inside the United States. This is True
0: Spies, episode 28, Burgers and Spies. In this episode of True Spies, we'll hear how one man bluffed his way through years of international espionage.
1: My name is Naveed Jamali. I spent three years working undercover against the Russian military intelligence, known as the GRU. This is the agency that has, they've assassinated people. They're the ones responsible for the Scripple poisonings and for the latest round of poisonings. And I mean, they just have a really tough history. These are these are bad guys and they're tough. Today,
0: Navid is working his dream job. He's an intelligence officer with the US Navy. But this story starts when he was just your everyday civilian, finding himself in not-so-everyday moments.
1: So I'm sitting in the car with Oleg, and Oleg's sifting through this database, and he's looking at stuff, and I'm showing him how it works. And I'm saying, look, I can look up, you give me a weapon system, and I can look it up and you see all the things that are, all the related sort of documents. And You know, he could see, he's really excited, he's like, wow, this is, this is real. And we stop at one document, a random, totally random document. I'm showing him this document, like what it means, and we're kind of going through it. And he looks at me and he goes, can you give me a copy?
0: Can he? You didn't think we'd reveal that so soon, did you? Let's rewind a little. This true spy starts in a sleepy suburban town just outside New York City. This is where Naveed grew up. His mother is French. His father, Pakistani.
1: I really felt a strong desire to prove my loyalty to this country, and uh, the best way that I thought I could do so was uh, by joining the military.
0: And it was the Navy Intelligence Officer program that really caught Navid.
1: And I applied, and it, despite having a very strong application, I didn't get in.
0: But Navid wasn't going to give up the dream at the first hurdle.
1: But I had this really wonderful recruiter. He sort of said, look, Naveed, if this is something you really want to do, you may have to apply more than once. I mean, you should try again. The only thing is that your subsequent application has to show growth.
0: So next time around, Naveed has to prove that he's a better candidate for the job than he was the first time he applied. Luckily, he's got some family connections
1: to draw upon. That's where this world of my parents' office and and. The Soviets and the Russians and, and my desire to become an intelligence officer all s- basically stepped into the same exact space, the same exact time. The
0: stars align, and an idea starts to formulate for how he might demonstrate the necessary growth, skill, and tenacity. The next chapter of Navid's life is about to unfold in the slightly unlikely space of his family's bookstore, not the kind of place that immediately springs to mind when we think about military intelligence gathering. But this is no ordinary bookstore selling travel guides and romance novels.
1: So it wasn't a bookstore in the sense that people came in and browsed shelves. Military academies who order groups of books for their for their students, instead of going to every publisher, they would put out a bid to supply books for the incoming class, and the company would supply that. They would also supply things like when a... Uh, An Air Force squadron would deploy to a country and they were looking for language books. We would fill that order. But it also meant that we had access to uh, government information.
0: Hmm. A store that sources and sells military manuals and has access to government information. I wonder who might be interested in that.
1: One day a man walked in and asked to speak to my father. And he was wearing a trench coat.
0: You can guess what that means.
1: Presented himself as Alex Tomikin from the Soviet mission to the United Nations.
0: A classic spy line from a man in classic spy garb.
1: It wasn't clear to my father at the time whether the man was Soviet or he was part of the United Nations. And he showed my father a card that said military staff committee and said that my father's name had been referred to him. And my father was sort of like, oh, this is great. You know, usually I have to make 20 phone calls before I get a new contract. to hear someone who's just walking in through the door who wants to do business.
0: The man hands over a list of books to Naveed's father. Things about weapons systems, nuclear disarmament, you know, Bedtime reading material. But remember, it's not that unusual. This is the service the bookstore offers. The unusual bit walks through the door about 15 minutes after the man's visit.
1: There was a second knock on the office door, and this time it was two FBI special agents who identified themselves as such and showed my dad a picture of the man who had just been here. And he said, this is uh, this guy's essentially a KGB colonel, and we want to know what he wanted.
0: It all begins to make sense. This is in the middle of the Cold War. Russia and the United States are in an arms race. It's a battle of military prestige where knowledge is power. And Naveed's family bookstore is packed, literally floor to ceiling, with that knowledge. It's an absolute goldmine for a Russian intelligence officer. So Naveed's father hands over the man's list of requested reading materials to the FBI. What now?
1: And they told him, get him his books. If he comes back, we'll be in touch.
0: And that's how a decades-long three-way relationship between Naveed's family, the Russians, and the FBI got started. Over the years, Russian officers masquerading as diplomats would visit the store, making orders on government and military information. They would occasionally slip in a request for classified information which Naveed's parents would politely decline, and then the FBI would check in to find out what had been requested. And this is where Naveed comes into play.
1: I was in my late 20s at the time, and I was now working at my parents' business, and they were looking to retire, and I came up with this harebrained idea that perhaps if I helped the FBI a little more, that I could approach them, and they'd be willing to write me a letter of recommendation.
0: The idea is harebrained, also, a little bit genius. Navid really wants that job as an intelligence officer in the Navy. And he really needs to prove his growth since the last application. A letter of recommendation from the FBI. Now, what could be better than that? And Navid knows how to get it. Well, kind of. He already has an existing family connection to the FBI. And spies are still visiting the bookstore. By this point, the Soviet Union has collapsed. And so the men in trench coats and UN business cards are GRU rather than KGB, but it's still very much the same situation. Naveed is in a unique position. He can make this work to his advantage. But to do that, he's going to have to take this relationship to the next level. He's going to have to win favor with the Russians in order to win favor with the FBI. Should be easy enough. After years of interacting with the Russians, Naveed and his family have a feel for it. And so far, relations have been friendly.
1: Some of these officers that came here were quite charming, quite polished, quite refined.
0: After all, to earn the cover story of a diplomat, you have to be pretty good at airs and graces, right?
1: That was not my experience with Oleg Kulikov.
0: Oh, no? Let's get to know Oleg Kulikov. He's a Russian diplomat with the United Nations, but he's also on a secret mission to recruit American spies for Russia. He's new to the Post, and he's a little different to his predecessors.
1: So the first time I met Oleg, he came into my parents' office, and, you know, (laughs) it was a bit of a letdown. He came in, and he came to pick up his books, and he was very brash and... And we had a nice little seating area for people to wait while they were waiting. And we had this beautiful wall of, of all these books, and they were free samples that we would get from publishers. And he just sort of grunted at them, and he opened his bag, and he took out this giant black garbage bag, and he would just literally, like with one arm, start sweeping some of these books into the garbage bag to take back.
0: Well, I suppose that's one way to browse a bookstore.
1: He was brilliant and very smart, very dedicated, but he was rough, unpolished.
0: So how are you going to win this guy over? He's obviously not dealing in the currency of charm. So your smart guy comments might not fly here. But you need Oleg to see the potential in you. You want him to invest in you. What part of your life can you draw upon to make him pay attention?
1: So when I was introduced to Oleg by my father, I mentioned the military. Bullseye. Navid is dangling
0: some big career opportunities to Oleg. Naveed is a new face in the business, a man aspiring to become a naval intelligence officer. He could be a very valuable human asset for the Russians, or so Navid wants Oleg to think. And Oleg has taken the first bite.
1: He started coming back almost regularly.
0: Oleg wants more, and Naveed wants to move things along to the next level.
1: We started having meetings outside of the office, and they started becoming clandestine.
0: Things are going well, but Naveed knows that Oleg is still figuring him out, working out whether Naveed is worth recruiting as a spy for Russia. Unfortunately for Naveed, that doesn't mean hushed conversations over champagne cocktails a la Hollywood spy movies. The Russians weren't going to splash out on him.
1: They would choose these barbecue chain restaurants, one of which was Hooters, where, you know, there are scantily clad young women wearing... Tight orange pants and, and tight white shirts, and that seemed to be a favorite place. And it was it's just amazing what you can discuss over, you know, a crappy burger and shitty beer. It's just it's just an amazing thing that these things happened in these restaurants, but they did. It's not at all what I expected.
0: Well, there goes that James Bond fantasy.
1: It was very much a way to make me understand you know, my place in the sort of totem pole, my place on the the ladder of importance, which is to say, they wanted me to think I had no importance to them.
0: That way, Oleg held the upper hand.
1: And the routine was that every meeting that I had with him would conclude with him giving me the menu of another restaurant. And the menu for that restaurant would be the place we would meet next.
0: But the exact timing would be left at the last minute to arrange.
1: He would call me randomly, literally, and say, do you want to meet for lunch today? So I would have this tiny, tiny window. And the idea was that if I was being followed, if he was being followed, it would allow the Russians to shake any FBI tale that they might have.
0: What the Russians didn't know is that they were chasing, not shaking, the FBI tale. And what Naveed didn't know was who was watching these interactions. The sense of paranoia was intense.
1: The feeling that... Both the FBI and the Russians had people in those restaurants watching me. Or one time just having a terrible headache and wanted to go to the bathroom to take some Advil and, you know, really being followed in, not so quietly by this, like, sort of heavyset Russian man. You know, it was intimidating. Could you
0: handle that feeling of being followed? What would be your coping strategy?
1: There is no time to think of fear, and there's no time to think about this logically, because if you do, there's no logical reason to do any of this. So essentially, you have to repress all those feelings. It is something that will drive you insane. Naveed's solution? Just keep busy. And so it's best not to think about it and just to keep on doing what you're doing and not get stuck in that sort of infinite loop of trying to decipher if, you know, what something means. If a, if a van parked outside is in fact a, you know, surveillance van or a Russian van or or it's just something completely innocent and innocuous. You just may never know. And that is essentially the world that you have to live in to do this, and you have to be okay with that. And, you know, you have to find ways to cope with it.
0: Naveed has to get comfortable not trusting anyone, while at the same time trying to win the trust of both Oleg and the FBI. He wants to show the FBI how useful he could be in damaging the Russian spy recruitment operation in New York, while convincing Oleg that he's willing to sell out his country to the Russians. But in order to make his story believable, Naveed needs a motivation, a character that Oleg will buy into. What kind of story would you spin? What kind of character would you create to make your intentions convincing? If you've been paying attention in your true spies' lessons, you might draw some inspiration from the acronym MICE. M for money i for ideology i c for coercion c and e for ego
1: e i quickly discounted coercion oleg while every time i met with him it was for sure an interrogation no one was coercing me to do that ideology well i'm not an ideologue and it's not something i could speak to at all money and ego were the only two left and money made sense i came up with this character That was based on me, but also based on a combination of characters in modern-day movies at the time that would allow me to be sort of this young, money-driven, arrogant, egotistical young kid. And honestly, it worked, and it's what the Russians expected. So once I built a character like that, the Russians were all in.
0: But Naveed is no actor. He's received no training from the FBI on how to do this. He's completely winging it. How do you get into a role like this?
1: I would get 24 hours notice from the Russians, generally, that I was going to meet with Oleg. So before that, I would sort of have this routine of watching James Bond, of course, with Daniel Craig. That's the the go-to. Michael Mann movies like Miami Vice. And, you know, I would look at those movies and I would take characters and dialogue from that. I would take on the persona of some of these arrogant, movie characters. And I don't know if the Russians are watching the same movies and expecting that American spies talk the same way. Maybe we're all watching the same movies and that's why it worked. But copying their dialogue and and copying their personas and their caricatures, it just, it clicked. It's exactly what they were looking for. They were looking for a Sonny Crockett from Miami Vice.
0: And that's kind of who they found. But, as for the FBI, how to win them over?
1: So... There's a saying, you know, in God we trust, all others be polygraph. and the FBI was no different.
0: In other words, convincing the FBI was going to be a tough nut to crack. Naveed would be subject to the same kind of scrutiny and surveillance as an enemy spy.
1: So they gave me this watch. It was this large sort of G-Shock watch. It was just huge. And... You know, I would go in and it had uh, it had an encrypted device that it could record. It was a way for the FBI to verify what I was saying. And, you know, I assumed that they wanted to make sure that I wasn't trying to cut a side deal with the Russians either. And, you know, to me it felt like I was wearing a giant, like, alarm clock on my neck. It was like, how could he not see this?
0: And why wouldn't Oleg suspect him? Trust does not come easy in this game.
1: And you really realize that you're you're essentially a proxy between these two massive organizations who view you as completely expendable.
0: So how to make himself valuable? Naveed needs to get into the fold of the Russian operation so that he can bring it down from the inside.
1: Oleg wasn't interested in what I could get him at the moment. I think it's important to understand that for the Russians, what they're looking to do is invest in the person. They saw me as this young man who was a trusted quantity because they'd known my parents. And then, of course, they're looking for someone who is going to be in a position that can be long-term. It was a way to assess my ability, my access, my, how, they, how well they could manage me, how well I would follow direction.
0: And wow, did Navid offer some pretty appealing access to Oleg.
1: One of the early deals that uh, I struck up with Oleg was access at the time to a database of DOD. That's the Department of
0: Defense. Uh-huh, that's right. You can almost hear Oleg salivating. This stuff is gold.
1: It was this system called DTIC, really high-level research through our company we had access to, and what we had agreed on is dealing with the FBI was that I would go meet with Oleg and I would bring a laptop. We would meet in our car and I'd show him this system.
0: These clandestine meetings in the car park are all about reeling Oleg in by getting Oleg to reel Naveed in.
1: So I'm sitting in the car with Oleg and Oleg's sifting through this database and he's looking at stuff and I'm showing him how it works. I got access to a legitimate Department of Defense database, one of which foreign entities are not allowed to have access to. And I showed him that very real database sitting in my car on my laptop, and it was meant to entice them, which it certainly did.
0: It's going well, but this is risky business. Navida's browsing through sensitive information with a man recruiting spies for Russia. The stakes are high. Naveed needs Oleg to get hooked, but he doesn't want him to see too much, or it could massively compromise the security of the United States.
1: I'm saying, look, I can look up, you give me a weapons system, and I can look up and see all the things that are, all the related sort of documents, and, you know, he could see, he's really excited, he's like, wow, this is, this is real. And we stop at one document, a random, totally random document, I'm showing him this document, like, what it means, and we're kind of going through it.
0: Oleg is impressed. Naveed is really shaping up to be an ideal informant. This is going to plan. But then comes the question.
1: Can you give me a copy?
0: And pause. This is the one condition the FBI has given. The one line that Naveed is not allowed to cross. This is meant to be about showing off his level of access, not about actually giving it away. The FBI wants Oleg to window shop. They don't want to hand over the goods. What would you do? Oleg is highly trained at sniffing out hesitation, deception. You, on the other hand, are totally winging this mission. Think fast. Tick
1: tock. I said I can't. I'm not going to print it. I'm not going to email it. I don't have any way to give it to you.
0: That's that sorted. But no, Oleg is one step ahead.
1: And he looks at me and he goes, aha. He reaches into his jack and pulls out a thumb drive. And he says, can you copy it on this? You know, you can plan all you want, but you're dealing with a real human and they're unpredictable. This was all about not only Oleg testing me, but he had to convince his superiors that I was an account that they should invest in, right? So they have to recruit spies and if not me, someone else. And Oleg wanted to keep going on with this. So undoubtedly, the more I learned early on that the more I could give him was the more he could show his superiors. The more that he could show his superiors, the happier they were and easier it was for him to justify that they should be spending time and resources on me. So I'm sure that when he saw these files, it wasn't so much that he wanted a file because it was important, the file the content and the file itself. He just needed stuff to be able to show his superiors. Now, I had three seconds to give him a response without sweating, without showing any emotion, without showing any consternation. And my gut instinct reverted back to what the FBI had always said to me, the agents had always said to me, he said, how would you do this if you were a real spy?
0: Because after all, Navid is not a real spy. He's working out how to be a double agent on the hoof. To Oleg, he needs to play the part of the American willing to sell out his country for money. To the FBI, he has to look good. He's still gunning for that letter of recommendation, remember? That means he has to play by their rules. He's also invested three years of his life into the investigation at this point. He really cares about it, and he really cares about his country. He doesn't want to jeopardize national security by giving the Russians too much information.
1: Yeah, that, that database was very much real. They were looking at real stuff, real you know reports and, and high-level studies done on, on U.S. weapon systems. I mean, it's not something they should have even been looking at, let alone have a copy of a file from.
0: This is about weighing up the options. What will do the least damage? Blowing his cover or handing over the file? Naveed looks at what Oleg's asked for, It's a document about linguistics. How sensitive can that
1: be? And so that's what I did. Put the thumb drive in, copied it onto the thumb drive, gave him the thumb drive back, and all hell broke loose.
0: Turns out spies trained on Hollywood movies are liable to make mistakes. The FBI immediately springs into action, trying to limit the damage.
1: They had to alert all sorts of agencies that an unauthorized access to what particular document by a foreign government had happened.
0: And they weren't only worried about the file handover.
1: Of course, I'm sure the thumb drive was compromised afterwards. The FBI had a warrant to seize my laptop. They went through my laptop, you know, to see what was on the thumb drive.
0: And even though Navid was just trying his best, at a moment more stressful than most of us could imagine, he's not immune to the law.
1: I learned later that the FBI was thinking about charging me with a crime.
0: Naveed had, after all, handed over sensitive documents to a foreign government agent. It was a big deal. It could mean years of jail time if they decided to prosecute. Lucky for Naveed, that is not the course of action they chose. But that split-second decision cost him a lot.
1: And it, it actually led to the FBI wanting to pull back from this operation. They just realized that This was a risk that they just weren't willing to take anymore. That was a risk that was almost unforgivable, combined with the fact that Oleg was leaving.
0: That's right. The FBI had intel that Oleg was due to leave his post in New York and head back to Russia.
1: There was no guarantee that Oleg's replacement would continue on with me.
0: So the relationship with Naveed and the Russians was probably coming to an end anyway. And the FBI wanted it to end with a bang.
1: Oleg had actually broken laws. I mean, diplomats, even though they're diplomats, are not allowed to recruit you know, U.S. persons to spy for them. So they wanted to make a point out of Oleg. They wanted the Russians to know that they had been compromised. So they saw both an opportunity combined with their low appetite for risk to sort of reach this sort of final climax with essentially letting the Russians know that they had arrested me while I was meeting with Oleg.
0: While the FBI would like to make an example of Oleg, there are rules around what they can and can't do when it comes to dealing with diplomats, even if those diplomats are recruiting spies. But arresting Naveed, that could be a way of sending a message without crossing all the red tape. And so that's what they decide to do at Naveed and Oleg's next meeting.
1: And we're scheduled to meet at a uh, Pizzeria Uno's in Wayne, New Jersey. So immediately I show up and I had nothing to give him. I knew that the whole signal for this was going to be me being arrested in front of him. That was the whole purpose of this meeting. And I just knew I had to get him to my car where this whole arrest would happen. And immediately while I met him outside of the restaurant, I walked over and he shook my hand. And As he's holding onto my hand, looking me dead in the eyes, he says, do you mind if we go to a different restaurant? Instinctively, of course I knew, of course I might. I knew that there was going to be other FBI agents sitting in that restaurant. I knew there was going to be a lot of other things that we had planned out. So it was absolutely going to be a problem if we did not meet in that Pizzeria Uno's. But I couldn't put, you know, show any emotion. I couldn't portray that. And I had to look them dead in the eye and say, no, it's not a problem. We ended up walking uh, a few hundred feet from the Pizza Uno's, oddly enough, to a Hooters that was across the street.
0: Of course, Hooters—the perfect
1: location for an FBI showdown—and it was probably one of the longest walks that I've ever taken, hoping that the FBI wouldn't do something i mean i knew that they would be freaking out as they watched us go to a different restaurant and I, I later learned that you know the fbi agents who were sitting in the pizzeria you know, got all their food to go of course and got it in brown bags and, and chased after us
0: because you don't want to waste pizza
1: right so we get to this this hooters and we're talking and and oleg's telling me about what a wonderful job i've done how he's leaving but all his all the people want to meet me, telling me about how they're going to have a lobster champagne dinner for me. Uh, I was going to have this retirement account. You know, this person can not wait to meet me and they were just so excited to meet me and, you know, this is going to be great.
0: While lobster sounds like a welcome upgrade from the Hooters menu, Naveed has other things on his mind. They're not meant to be in Hooters. They're meant to be in Pizzeria Uno. Naveed needs to get Oleg to his car. ASAP.
1: I had to bluff him for, you know, just a few more minutes. Think, think, think. I said, great, you now let's 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 go. I've got some other stuff I can show you. And we walk to the car, and I say there's some documents in the back, open the trunk, and I had nothing. I had a box that had old documents in it.
0: While Oleg's rifling through a box of meaningless documents, Naveed gives the FBI the go-ahead to make their move.
1: All I did was take off my hat. That was supposed to be the signal. I took off my hat, and these cars come swooping in. No sirens, no lights, and these agents get out and they they pat me down and they start following Oleg and they kind of tussle me, put me back in the back of the car.
0: They've successfully staged Naveed's arrest. His three-year relationship with Oleg, it's all over.
1: We're driving off and I'm watching him, you know, with his back towards towards me as he walks away. And I just remember that the entire time I was watching him, watching his reaction and there was no reaction and I think that's the the thing that's the most memorable is that you know he was stoic and a professional to the end but also again absolutely willing to sort of walk away from me in a in a moment's notice and not look back and not even think about this a few seconds ago he'd been just telling me how important I was and all these amazing you know dinners they were gonna throw and all these celebrations they were gonna throw in my honor and how important I was and all this other stuff. And then the next second, you know, nothing. He's willing to let me be swooped up and locked away for the rest of my life by the FBI. You know, That just is a reminder that you have, you yourself as an individual have no value to either entity. That the only value you have is as long as you're useful. And it's a, it's a pretty lonely job. It's not a team sport. You know, there's a tremendous burden that lies on your shoulders. And there's also a, a huge risk that you alone end up shouldering.
0: Oleg walks away without a backward glance, but Naveed is quickly snapped out of his reflections on the lonely nature of the spy's game.
1: We turn a corner and the FBI agency in the front, who i have never spoken to before, turn around and, and say, it's so nice to meet you and start high-fiving me. And then they drive me up to this parking garage and there's all these people and they're all thanking me and, and it was like more people i'd ever seen in my life
0: this was the whole fbi team who had been working the backstage of navid's operation there were agents there who'd worked with his parents they all knew Naveed. they'd spent three years following his case hours listening to the recordings from his big fat watch turns out although he felt expendable at times Naveed was a bit of a legend But after a few rounds of handshakes and high fives...
1: That was it. Like, (laughs) then it was over. It was this intense moment and, you know, like, the intensity and then it just flat out stopped. That's it.
0: Naveed was gutted. This had been the most exhilarating time of his life. But he was also relieved.
1: There's only so long you can do this. And it takes a level of pathology (laughs) to really live a double life like this. Like, it, normal people don't do it.
0: It was a tough gig, no doubt. So were these three years of courting Oleg worth the hassle? Time to find out who Oleg really was and how important this operation had been.
1: I later learned that Oleg was the one of the right-hand men of the top GRU uh, general in the United States at the time, this man named Nikolai Urovov. And Uruvov was the ultimate target of the FBI. But Urvoff, as a general, as the head of the military committee in in the U.S., rarely left the mission, rarely went out. He was very much, uh, I don't want to say a recluse, but you know, he was as close to to one as he could be. You know, For the Russians, when they enter the United States, they consider that this is enemy territory, and they're behind enemy lines, and they act accordingly. So while Urvoff didn't go out, his right-hand man... Oleg did. And so the FBI picked up on the fact that Oleg could be a way to sort of target off And that Oleg was really acting probably under off's very close direction. And so for, for them, Oleg had value and I had value because really both of us gave access to off As it were, I think Oleg recruited me or he believed he had recruited me. And his tour in the United States was gonna to come to an end. And he was excited to go back as a as a hero and, and end up, you know, on with his career in a very big way. And he, you know, he saw that he was only going to climb the ranks.
0: So much for that dream. Sorry, Oleg. Arresting Navid sent a strong message to Yurovov and the Russians. The operation had been a success.
1: You know, for a young kid with no training, working essentially by flying from the seat of his pants, I believe that this little operation had a huge impact on Russia's intelligence collection in the United States. On the day that I met Oleg and I was arrested in front of him, I know that the embassy, the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C., all the Russian military and intelligence folks were called back in, so this was a pretty big deal. They had to assume that there was a compromise, or a leak, or another double agent um, working somewhere else. And where is that leak? What else has been compromised? What other operations do they have to worry about?
0: For a brief period, the Russians had to pull back and stop what they were doing until they could figure out what had been compromised and what hadn't
1: so if you think about that, this little operation had rippling effects across Russia's collection, intelligence collection in the United States. While they couldn't necessarily arrest every diplomat, they sure as heck could tell them that, hey, we know what you're using, and look over your shoulder to figure out what else is coming next. And I think that was the message, and I think it was very, very successful.
0: Meanwhile, Oleg went back to Russia with his tail between his legs.
1: And I can only imagine the debriefing Oleg got when he got back to Moscow. I think they were probably pretty pissed.
0: And when it was all over, Navid learned that his ad hoc, Hollywood-inspired, self-styled approach to being a spy was one of the reasons the operation had been so successful.
1: Because I was genuinely making this up as I went along, the Russians, rightfully so, could detect no FBI signature. Nothing I was doing had any, you know any hint. And Naveed couldn't help but wonder, What if I had stayed there? What what else would I have been able to uncover?
0: Naveed's double life was now over, and it was time to move forward with his career. He still had his heart set on that dream job as an intelligence officer in the Navy, and he hoped that after all his hard work, the FBI could help him secure the position.
1: They did actually help with putting in a good word, and I did in fact receive that commission and, you know, get accepted into the program.
0: It's now over a decade since the operation wound up, but it's something Navid will never forget.
1: You know, it is such a high to sort of go into this mental combat with someone like Oleg Kulikov. These are really skilled. Worthy opponents, and to go in there and to be able to best them is a is a real thing that very few people ever get to do. And it's you know it's really like battling a one on one opponent. And you know I beat him, and that was a hell of a drug. The logic part of my brain says yes, I am glad it's over. The illogical id part of my brain says, damn, do I miss it? I mean, it, it was a rush like no other. And in that moment where you're talking about stuff that could change the course of a no joke countries and it's all on you and you have to bring home a huge win otherwise things could go really sideways not just sideways for a few people but like you know you're charting the course of you know a country i mean that is a huge huge responsibility it's an awesome one and you know I'm not going to lie. like there's just a real, real high for doing that. But it takes a toll on you, and it and it frankly is you know a young person's game.
0: I'm Vanessa Kirby. I'll be back next week for another liaison with True Spies. We all have valuable spy skills, and our experts are here to help you discover yours. Get an authentic assessment of your spy skills created by a former head of training at British Intelligence. For free now at Spyscape.com.
1: In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.